Kids Comics. And here are your hosts, Michael and Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to episode two of Hey Kids Comics, The, the Return. Return. <laughs> That's what we're going with. <laughs> uh, this time, we are covering The Reign of the Superman. I'm Andrew Leyland. And I'm Michael Leyland. The Reign of the Superman was the third and final act in the Death of Superman saga. It was the longest chapter by far running across in my omnibus. Action Comics 687 through 692. Adventures of Superman 501 through 505. Superman 78 through 82. The Man of Steel issue 22 and 26. And just to remind us that these are comics from the 90s, Green Lantern 46. However... Mm-hmm. Yours, because we are reading this from. I have got the second print omnibus with the Dan Jurgens wraparound cover. Yeah, Michael has got the. Uh, I've got the uh, five paperbacks where they split it up into three. And personally, I prefer the way that they've split these up. So we've got Reign of the Superman, which justifies being its own trade simply just by having uh, the Bloodlines mm. annuals in it. Albeit only two of them in this one, the other two are in rain also yeah this does include uh action 687 uh adventures 500 502 superman 78 79 and then the bloodline annuals uh superman 5 and man of steel 2 as well as man of steel 22 and 23 right and then the rest of them are split into the reign of which is quite a chunky one because i believe this no yours the return of the return of yeah 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 Uh, because this picks up with Superman waking up. Right. Uh, which, in his battle armour. In his battle armour. Uh, yeah, which collects the rest of it. So that's Action 689, 692. Uh, action Annual 5. Adventures 503 to 505. Adventures Annual 5. Green Lantern 46. And then Superman 80 to 83. And Man of Steel 24 to 26. This does have a couple more issues uh, that's missing from yours, which we'll yeah. get to later on. So my omnibus is a, a staggering 22 comics nearly 500 pages of material but you have added what four annuals for all the bloodlines annuals and then that, and another issue the funeral for a friend epilogue yeah so yeah so if they're annuals then they're what 30 to 40 pages each yeah i think they're double length or something so you're you're pushing 700 pages of material yeah just for this act of the story that's not including funeral not including death hours. no which is why i think you know, they justify it splitting into two. And personally, I think it's a better read having it two instead of just the reign of, having it as reign and return. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly easy. I mean, this isn't one of the, the worst omnibuses. Yeah. It's not like Jack Kirby's Fourth World, is that? Or is it Walt Simonson's Thor that's the worst one? Yeah. One of them is just like this massive brick that you can barely lift. It's appropriate that you have to have the, the you know, be worthy to lift the, the Thor <laughs> omnibus. I had not considered that. <laughs> Whoever lifts this omnibus be they worthy. Yeah, exactly, that's it. You can read it now. Well done. Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, it was all edited by Mike Carlin, who kept this show on the road across four different writers, Carl Kiesel, Dan Jurgens, Roger Stone, Louise Simonson, and for the Green Lantern issue, Gerard Jones, but we don't talk about him too much anymore. Seven pencillers, John Bogdanove, Tom Grummet, Jackson Gweiss, Mark Bright, and pulling double duty, Dan Jurgens, plus Inkers, Brett Breeding, Doug Hazelwood, Dennis Yankee, Dennis Rodia, and Romeo Tangal, plus assorted colorist letters and other production personnel. Are there any people who do the Bloodlines work that aren't mentioned in that? Because I don't remember if the same creative teams 
did the annuals at the time, or if they were just no, addendums? No, I don't think they did, apart from the Superboy one. Carl Kiesel wrote it, did he? And Gromit did the thumbnails, but someone else finished it. Right. Okay. Uh, but I believe they are, yeah, they're individual All right, well, creators. we'll mention that as we get there, because Michael will take over for the Bloodline stuff, which is not in my omnibus. After a death and a funeral, one would expect that the story was done. After all, where does one go after death? But the Superman creative team were not done with the Man of Steel. After all, the reason they had to pull this stunt in the first place, the upcoming television series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, was in the offing. And if you thought DC Comics weren't going to have some Superman comics on the stands when that series aired, you clearly aren't aware of corporate synergy. But what to do? Introduce four other Supermans. Fine. But then what? The then what was the hardest part. They had to tell a compelling story and resurrect Superman in a way that didn't seem like a cop-out or an anti-climax. That they did it this well is a minor creative miracle I don't think they've ever been credited with. Yes, the death itself spilled a lot of ink and garnered, and continues to garner, a lot of attention. But any story that fails to wrap up its threads badly can only disappoint. Look at the Narnia books, or Lost, or The Rise of Skywalker for evidence. <laughs> Reign of the Superman, a title taken from a story by Superman's creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster that predates even Superman, is a widescreen, high-octane, balls-out comic storytelling of a kind we don't really see anymore. It takes elements from all over the Superman mythos, but primarily the mythology being built since Superman was recreated in 1986 and pulls it all together in a creative miasma that positively sparkles with vim and energy. A creative team firing on all cylinders, working on a character that has millions of eyeballs on him for the first time in years, pulling out all the stops in a fearless and inventive way to create the kind of Superman movie Hollywood can only dream of having the guts to produce. Should we dig in? Let's dig in. Do you agree with that? I don't disagree. We'll, we'll get up later Yeah, on, yeah we'll, but... we'll talk about it later. But when I was doing this, and how we approach them is always very different, which is always interesting to me. Right. I read an issue. Yeah. Read it again as I'm making notes. Read an issue, read it again as I'm making notes. Mm -hmm. I did not do that with this. I okay. sat down to read it from Action Comics 687. I started about two weeks ago, because as we pointed out, this is 700 pages of material. Yeah. And I just ploughed through it. I would sit and read like three or four issues yeah. at a time because it is so compelling in how they're doing it. Yeah. And it has that benefit of being split into the multiple titles at the start of this as well. Which yeah. is like, oh, well, what's this character up to now? Oh, and what's this character doing? And what are they doing? Oh, then they've crossed over now. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen here? Uh, I mean, my. And then they'd fight. Yeah. And my, my reading's a lot different now. So I, I tend to read on the, the bus more so. Uh, just to make it, you know, the suffering more bearable. <laughs> <laughs> the suffering that is public transport. So I get about two, maybe two and a half issues done on that. And it's always like, oh, I'll finish off this issue during my break. Oh, I've got enough time for another one. Oh, I'll read it on the way home mm. as well. Um, so it's very, it's very readable just because of how fast paced it was. I do think I ended up comparing it quite a lot to Nightfall as I was reading this. Understandable. And I think I do... With Rain of specifically as well, I think I prefer Knight's Quest and what they were doing, with it being more of a long-term hmm. change. Uh, whereas this, it felt like 
as we'll get to it, the rain off is very short compared to the return off. Yes, which is a bit weird given that Night's Quest, Night's End always feels truncated by zero hour. Yeah, and personally, I prefer the truncatedness of it. It makes you kind of think, especially, you know, even with Bruce mm. Wayne coming back and up to his own stuff, it's like, oh, well, you know, Asriel is Batman now. Yeah. You never get that with this with here. You, you're still kind of waiting for Superman to return. Yeah, there wasn't, I'd agree with that criticism, there wasn't enough issues just Kiesel and Tom Grummet, for example, just playing with Superboy. Yeah. if we had... Maybe if they got four issues to do that instead of two. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't have even mind if we just had an omnibus worth of a rain stuff a year each for those four titles mm. of just this is what we're doing now and nowadays that's probably what they would do oh yeah totally yeah there'd be spin-off books and comics and all that stuff it's the it? only not necessarily to say that you know i would want a remake of this I don't know, but it's not. probably the only thing that i think that you know this could have benefited on that modern type of storytelling yeah. it in story it doesn't feel like he ends up being dead more than, what, a three week or weeks? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have to have time to have the funeral and they have to have time to re-establish the new super guys and yeah. all that, and Clark's apartment needs to be sold and all yeah. that. So I reckon there must be, what, three weeks to a month, Oh, maybe? yeah, they spend more time fighting over the body than they do with the actual yeah. rain of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the bit that dragged for me in funeral, that whole fighting over the body stuff. Yeah. That could have moved quicker. And maybe funeral could have been, what, six issues instead of eight? Yeah. And then these could have had a couple more months to breathe Yeah, with focusing on Steel or Eradicator or whatever. Because you find as well, you get in, Steel has, I think, I think Steel's Steel... arc carries on more organically through the other titles than any of the others. And I feel like Steel is the only one who actually has his own story, but that gets wrapped up in two issues yeah. or so. So they can move on to the big fight. Yeah. All right, okay. Well, should we do the synopsis first? Right, right. yes. Unlike previously on Elder Shows, you may have heard, we are not going to do like a big massive synopsis for this. You don't want to listen to it. I don't want to say it. <laughs> Let's be brutally honest. If you're listening, chances are you've read this. If you haven't read it, we are going to spoil it. But not enough, I don't think, for you to go out and read it yourself. At the end of the day, that's what we're encouraging you to do. So, there are four pretenders to Superman's throne. The clone of the Cadmus Corporation, the Teen of Steel. The emotionless and merciless last son of Krypton. The Iron Man with Superman's soul, the Man of Steel. And the newly minted government lackey, the cybernetic Man of Tomorrow. All four have their supporters and detractors. And all four have merits and demerits. Good deeds are performed by all, but it's the Man of Tomorrow, the shades-whirring, show-no-mercy version that attracts the most attention for his shoot-first, don't-bother-asking-questions-at-all policy. Lois is not convinced any of the real Steel deal. Elsewhere, the Man of Steel takes on a gang-related turf war, fuelled by weapons he himself created. Superboy is busy flirting with anything in a skirt, including Supergirl, and the cyborg gets his feet under the table at the White House, all the while a large spaceship moves across the heavens, approaching Earth, its intent the destruction of the planet. To cut a very long story short, the spaceship is piloted by Mongol, a wannabe Thanos, who is working for... Dun, dun, dun! The Cyborg! The Borg is in actuality Hank Henshaw, a long-time foe of Superman, who feels he was done dirty by the Metropolis Marvel and is leading the charge against Earth. He destroys Coast City, which you know is one of the Green Lanterns, and his next target is Metropolis. However, the Cyborg reckoned without the resurrection of the one true Man of Steel. Yes, Kal-El is back, resurrected thanks to the shades-wearing Man of Tomorrow and a combination of various Kryptonian technologies at his disposal in the Fortress of Solitude. 
It was a confluence of events unlikely to ever happen again. The resurrected Kal-El explains his bona fides to Lois by explaining how she gets every exclusive, if you know what I mean, alongside Supergirl, Steel, Kid Clone and the Green Lantern, and they take down Mongol and locate the cyborg. Superman rams his arms through Henshaw's chest and vibrates at the speed of light, shattering his body into a thousand pieces. The danger is over for now, but what of the loose ends? Well, Doomsday is sent hurtling through space on an asteroid by the cyborg, marooned for all eternity at the centre of a barren rock, buried alive, buried alive. Superman regains his super suit and returns to Metropolis to show Lois what she's been missing before the duo concoct a plan to explain whatever happened to Clark Kent. With Supergirl's shape-shifting help, Superman rescues Clark, who was trapped in a basement with enough food and water to survive. I was lucky, wasn't it? <laughs> and thus ends the reign of the Supermen. Very concise. <laughs> it was very concise. There's a lot cut out, though. There's a lot. <laughs> let's, let's be brutally honest. Uh, the first issue is Superman Action Comics 687. They all came with bonus posters. Yes. These four, they all had two covers. Didn't they have a cardstock cover and a regular newsstand cover? Oh, did they? Yes. And the newsstand cover was just the new S logo for whichever one it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you opened it, you got a full-page splash of them. Yeah. And they all came with absolutely cracking posters yes, by the, the creative the teams of the time. Well, yeah. yeah, the posters are in the back of the omnibus and in this. Um, of them, my favourite is the Cyborg. The Cyborg one gets recreated as well as a panel later on. Yes, because it's absolutely brilliant and fantastic. Uh, the various creative types are given... A couple of issues, as we've already discussed, perhaps not enough mm -hmm. to really establish who the versions of the characters are. So Action Comics focuses on the last son of Krypton, who is pure Kryptonian and seems to be an answer to all the fans who were pushing for Superman <laughs> to be more violent and murderous. What do you think of him? Uh, I did like the Eradicator. I um, loved the Eradicator. Yeah, it felt fun because, like, again, this is just what would happen later on with Nightfall, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are thematic similarities. You've got to remember the comic books, the 90s comic book situation of the time was, yeah. you were seeing in this early, you know this, you know your comics history. Yeah, yeah. Characters like Wolverine and the Punisher and Spawn yeah. were becoming more and more popular. Yeah. And characters who just shot people dead. And there was a certain part of the fan base, not everybody, but a certain part of the fan base saying, well, why does Batman kill people? Yeah. And that would come to fruition in some films of the character many, many years later. <laughs> and Nightfall was the answer to that question. Yeah. And why doesn't Superman just kill people the was eradic partially yeah. answered in this. And he is one of those more interested as well. Um, out of the character arcs they do have, I think Superboy has the best one. But the Eradicators is one of the most integral ones as well. His yes. character arc and how he changes and what he does and who he becomes. Uh, but I also think the Eradicators plot is great as well for having the secret underrated fifth Superman, which is Bibbo. <laughs> I'll go with that. Yeah. I like Bibbo. I like his, his homespun uniform. Yeah. I think that's quite cool. It's basically just a Superman t-shirt with a pair of red shorts. And it's quite possibly, apart from Steel, the only one who is taken Superman's will in the correct kind yeah. of way. Yeah, yeah, he just goes about helping people yeah. as best he can. Like, he gives a homeless guy a job, doesn't he? Yeah. And that, and he adopts a... I mean, later on, um, the, a bunch of puppies are thrown into a the yeah. water to be drowned. Yeah. 
which I thought was a bit savage. <laughs> and he rescues them, and sadly they've all died apart from one. Crypto. That he names Krypton. Oh, the ace, yeah, yeah. But when they're inscribing it on the, the collar, they leave a letter off. Yeah. So he calls him Crypto. So Bibbo is basically a representation of what we as fans should be doing. Yeah. He just tries to make his local environment a nicer place yeah. just by being kind, giving mm-hmm. people jobs, stopping puppies from drowning, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yeah, I like I like his costume as well, Last Son of Krypton. Yes. I think that is a much better redefining of Superman's costume without the trunks than what they were doing in the New 52. Yeah, the visors are very 90s, but I did appreciate the narrative reason behind them. Yes, that he's, he's because he's pure Kryptonian, the yellow sun hurts his eyes. Yeah. As well as providing him with his powers, so that's quite cool. So there was an awful lot to like about the Eradicator. Paul Lewis Lane as well, having to have four people try and have the same conversation with her, which does you know, pay off when the real Superman comes back. Yeah, I, I don't think they really... That's another thing. Nowadays... An awful lot more attention will be paid to Lois's mental state oh, at God, the end yeah. of this. <laughs> Go to the ringer. She does a bit, and she just walks it off at the end, doesn't she? Well, Which either shows how mentally strong she is. It it does it does weigh her down a little bit towards the end as well when she's got Jeb on the go and just completely ignoring him. Yeah, because she's not interested. There's an there's an awful lot of this. I think we mentioned this in funeral for a friend. It very much takes for granted that you were reading these comics on a monthly basis. Yeah. It's not written for the trade paperback in any any fashion. So I don't think at any point my omnibus anyway explains why Supergirl is a shapeshifter who can turn invisible. No. And is shagging Lex Luthor. No. And I don't think at any point it really explains that Lex is a cloned body with Lex's brain in it. Nor does it ever explain his Australian accent. I think it mentions it once, does but it? not why he's Australian. Right. See, I didn't remember that, but that's what you get for reading it all in close confinement. The thing with this is, I they do a very good job with it of keeping Lex's moustache twirling yeah. to being something that he does when only him and Happerson are in the room. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're sat reading it going, why does nobody twig him? Yeah. <laughs> Because he's so relentlessly evil most of the time. We get a great bit. I think this is in one of the Bloodlines annuals, but there's a great bit where he's this close to ditching his plan and to just getting everything out in the open. Because mm. uh, I think it's the cyborg Superman is very nearly caught on to him that he's prepared to just come clean out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, avoids it because the cyborg Superman just comes to another assumption. He's like, Whew! So he avoids that again. Yeah. Uh, I do like that that panel, though, which is on page 507 of the Omnibus. I have no idea what it is in yours. No, I don't have page numbers. All right. It, that's, that panel, Superman and Lois being surrounded by people, that's straight from Man Steel number one. Okay. So that's a nice homage. There's quite a lot of that Yeah. as you go through it. Quite a lot of places where panels are homaging what has gone before. And I quite like that when it's doing it for its own self. Yeah, not when it's ripping off panels from Jack Kirby comics. Yeah, yeah. I like it when it's doing its own thing. Steel is the next one in the omnibus. Yep. And the same in yours. Yeah, okay, very good. Uh, by contrast, he never says he is Superman. No, he doesn't. They not. heavily imply the essence of who Superman is, the champion of the oppressed, 
is alive and well in John Henry Irons. And I give you that the name is very on the nose. When I read this, I didn't know who John Henry Irons was. John Henry, sorry. Really? No, I never Still driving man? Never, didn't have a clue. Okay. Didn't didn't factor into British culture at all, that guy, okay. as far as I'm aware. Or certainly I was never exposed to it. Yeah. You knew him, though. Yes. How could you know him? Osmosis, I guess. Yeah, just, right. It's just one of those things, like, you, know, you just pick up, I guess. Yeah, the, the cyborg one, the cyborg one, the, the John Henry stuff, as you pointed out, is the only one who really has his own story. Yeah. Even though, as you've pointed out, Superboy's story arc is a more interesting one. Yes. This is a lot more of a gritty, down-to-earth, gang war thriller. I don't want to be but mean. At the same time, it's the most kind of over-exaggerated one. Yeah, and it's fun, and I enjoy it, and I like Bog's art, because it is it is OTT in yep. places. and it works. And it works. I'm not entirely convinced by the gang's speech patterns and no, jargon. I, I think we brought this up last time. It's very white, pretending to be black. Yeah, and maybe, I don't know, Louise Simonson may have consulted with somebody like Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe that would have been better. But, you know, this kid had been blown away on panel. I laughed <laughs> out loud. Just... Because you're this... sick? Well, it's not... It's, uh, you know, to to excuse my language here, but I think it's quite appropriate. This child gets blown to f*** on a, on a double two-page I've got to bleep that now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he Apologies. does. Yeah. But that's the best way to describe it. It's it's, it's full frontal. Yeah. It's right there. It's and just to hammer home just what does happen. The next time we see him, he's a charred skeleton on the floor. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> we're we're starting this with a quite literal bang. Yeah, on a twelve year old. I was I was um I it was one of them. I remembered it but didn't remember it. And I was I was genuinely quite shocked that on panel they blast a kid in half. Yeah. In a Superman comic. I was I was genuinely quite surprised by that. You do get term his origin that he was saving some dude fallen from a a high rise building because he's um a construction worker. In saving somebody his the thing he swung out on fell off, but Superman saved his life. We're given like a transference thing. Yeah, because they play at the start. This could be the real Superman because of his psychic yeah. soul link or something that they forget very quickly when Steel just comes out and says, "No, I, I'm not Superman." Yeah, I mean, the kind of saying is this just his soul? Um, and I suppose it could be. The one thing I noticed going through this this time. How many of these characters were Marvel analogs, right. and that's no more apparent than in this guy, who is clearly Iron Man, right down to being a weapons manufacturer. Oh yeah, well you know as we get later on when Hank Henshaw's just Reed Richards. Yeah, Hank Henshaw is just Reed Richards by any other name. The Eradicator's the Punisher. Yeah. Superboy was Devil Maker, clearly inspired by the early days of Spider-Man and Daredevil more than actual Superboy comics. Yeah. Albeit with a David Addison smart mouth. Yeah. But the vibe of the Superboy, and we've not got there yet, is very much Spider-Man and Daredevil. Yeah, well, it's a shame with the Steel one, because the Steel one tries to create its own narrative here. We've got supporting characters, mm -hmm. we've got side plots going on as well. It's just a shame that they do get swept aside, because we have to continue with the overall story. Which goes to what you were saying earlier, that if they'd had a few more issues, maybe they could have focused on this 
on their own. But I don't know. You know, it wasn't what comics were at the time. True. Uh, Super, but oh no, it's uh, Cyborg's next in mine. Is that is it published in the same order in yours? Yeah, yes, yeah. it is. So the Cyborg, I, the Cyborg was my favourite. Yes. I like visually, it looks like the Terminator, which was clearly a clue. Yeah. Right from the beginning. But he actually had the costume on and he seemed to have the knowledge and he managed to con most people. Including the president. That's very heavy-handed as well. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that when we get there. Um, I never thought he was Superman, even reading this in the 90s. I didn't think any of them were. Yeah, well, you kind of... There's that knowing as well, reading this. He's just like, well, obviously, you know they're not the real one. But you no, enjoy but you I, enjoy the mystery I kind of, of at the time, I think they were trying to sell the idea that one of them was the real thing. And you had to guess who. Yeah, that was, that was the mystery that was going on if you were buying these at the time. Okay. Uh, and I never, I don't think I ever really bought any of them, but I liked the Cyborg. If I'd lived in Metropolis, I probably would have bought it. Because right. obviously we are we are privy to a lot of information as the reader mm. that a normal person on the street wouldn't be. Yeah. So I, I was quite down with the Cyborg. I so found I, the Eradicator to be the most believable really, he's, he's of them. killing people left, right? Yeah. That's why Guy Gardner ultimately supports it. That's true, yeah. Because he's literally just just cutting him in half with his x-ray vision. But I suppose he's the most interesting and believable story of the generic trope of, well, what if Superman did just kill? Yeah. Because at least it does play on, well, you know, what if you are this superhuman guy with no memory of Jonathan and Martha Kent? Yeah, and you have got that whole thing as well, that he is purely Kryptonian. Yeah, and they were dis- they were shown as being emotionless Vulcan types. Yeah, so it do- it works quite well. Who is Superman without Clark Kent? Yeah, um, the Superman, the Cyborg Superman issue largely focuses on Lois more than any of the others. So again, they're trying to sell you the idea that this is the real guy, and they do a brilliant job the reveal of keeping him off panel until the full page splash. Sadly spoiled by the cover. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. But you've seen it already, haven't you? You've seen well, it in the teaser. Yeah, exactly. the poster. So it's kind of like Terminator 2, in that would that film have played better if you didn't know Arnie was playing a good Terminator? Yes. Yeah, or do you have to go, well, all the marketing told me this? Right. Okay. So, you know. Um, but it's a good full-page splash by Dan Jurgens. The art, I love the art in this one. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what I think about uh, Jurgens' writing, mm. his art on this is some of the best art in the whole series. I think his writing in this is brilliant. He's right, yeah. I like this one. I'm uh, I'm actually quite quite fond of his art throughout this. He, I think, but I think he may be my favourite. Okay, yeah. Followed by Grummet and Hazelwood. Yeah, what? I mean, I think Jackson Geist really comes into his own more so in this in the reign of as well some of than in stuff, the earlier stuff yeah okay that's fair enough we get into meeting doomsday which is one of the dumbest things yeah all of those cables i am of the opinion i've got it written down in my notes somewhere i think it's a little bit of storytelling cowardice that they wrap doomsday up in dr octopus's arms yeah and then strap into an asteroid because they're yeah. pretty much signposting that we're not done with this guy yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, it does pay off later on in its own sequel. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands in this, yeah, there's no there's no real need for it. There's 
other than to just... Especially when they reveal that he's alive. Yeah. it's If anything, they should have kept that reveal... Until the very end. But I suppose he, the, you can argue the other side of that would be never set that up beforehand. He was dead. Whereas this where they're showing he's clearly still alive. Yeah. So, you know. And I do like that they actually acknowledge that there, you couldn't hear his laughter in space. Yeah. In space, no one can hear you laugh. So, I'm on. I'm in two minds about that. I've, I always have been. Even when it came out, I was very alright, so we're not done with this guy. And now I've not really changed my mind about it. Well, I still think it's a bit iffy. I suppose at least Doomsday and Bane are the same character. Yeah. Or at least the much. same construct, idea, concept. Whereas Bane, at least because he's a character, is more interesting. Doomsday is just. Yeah, there's nothing to Doomsday. He shows up and beats beat the up. shit out yeah. of him, and that's it. And he never, you know, there's not really anything much to him. Superboy is the most fun. Uh, he's basically just a teenage horn dog. He bears more than a passing resemblance to Jason Priestley. <laughs> who at that point was a hot TV star, thanks to Beverly Hills 90210. Did you ever see Beverly Hills 90210? Is that see, well I before your time? Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Uh, it's a lot of fun, this one. Yeah. I Go on. No, I was just going to say, there's a lot of this Superboy stuff that will, I suppose with, with Tom Grover as well, go on to continue into Robin, at least kind of the vibe mm. of it. Well, and his own series as well. Because Tom Grummet and Carl Kiesel do the first year or so of Superboy series. Okay. okay. So some of that jibes over. He's he's getting slapped with a sexual harassment suit by today's standards. Yeah. <laughs> and I liked your message to me, so he pierced his ear. Exactly, yeah. Who who there's I mean <laughs> it's Michael texting readers going, who pierced his ear? He comes straight out of Cadmus with his ear piercing and these belts and straps and all sorts. Who designed his costume? Why you know, what yeah. is all Well this? the leather jacket he gets from he, he steals, he steals yeah. that. And he's got the pouches and the thigh belts and stuff because that's very nineties. Who's the fashionista in Cadmus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, certainly somebody had um Well, the actually the earpiece will will come into play later on in an issue that you've not read. Oh, uh, right. Maggie Sawyer points it out. I see. Uh, when did Lex break his leg? Yeah, we keep switching back and forth in this. Lex has either got a broken leg or he's not. Then yeah. he has again, and then he's not. And I I did originally wonder is this is this because they didn't publish the Team Luthor one-shot. Now, is that in yours? It's in my funeral, yeah. Right. Did he break his leg in that? I can't remember. I can't. Because obviously I've not read it, because it was... I have read it, but, you yeah. know, 30 years ago. So the Superboy one is easily the most fun. But I also like that he's, he doesn't really know how his powers work. No. Because of the, the four of them, he's the one whose powers are not the same as Superman's. So there's a bit where he's actually genuinely scared. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things about him and one of the redeeming things about his character, why I think he's got the best character arc of all of them, is because of that self-doubt where he believes he is a clone of Superman, but all of his powers are different. So he starts doubting himself and then he gets the great bit where he stops the rocket Mm. And that's his character arc. He's like, I don't have to be Superman I, mm. as, as long as I'm good and doing my best. Yeah, as long as I'm doing what I can. And I, I lowest his phone call to Jonathan and Martha where she said, would Clark have been like this at 15 if he had his powers? And she's like, well, no, no kid, we raised a be like that. But well, you didn't, you raise, didn't raise this one. Yeah. So all that's nice. You get a bit of Guardian. For me, 
I know there are a lot of people out there who love the Cadmus stuff. I'm not one of them. I'm glad that the Cadmus stuff took a, a back seat. Yeah. For this particular story, and you don't really see a lot of like the Newsboy Legion and the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. And once they've got past the whole, let's get Doomsday's corpse out the way. Yeah. Cadmus doesn't really play into this a lot. No. And I, I personally was was quite grateful for that because I found in the funeral one they just got in the way. Well, they became what it was about, and I wasn't Cadmus. You know, I wasn't really down for that. But you know, different strokes. Guy Gardner shows up. Well, not yet. He oh right, you've got a bloodlines issue that I don't have. This I bloodlines do. issue. So part of the bloodlines outbreak, uh, we have Superman Man of Steel Annual Two. Uh, which I liked the, the you like the bloodline stuff. I enjoy yeah. the bloodline stuff, yeah. Um, and th- we start off with what is essentially a horror story. Um, well, that's what Bloodlines was, wasn't it? Yeah. So the art's really good in this one. Uh, it's very muddy and messy. Uh, so pencil by Eddie Newell, uh, and we just get messy horror stuff it's great stuff i love the designs of the the actual aliens or the parasites they're called aren't they mm. even though they do look like what's he called alf <laughs> look like alf demonic alf yeah oh, they're from melmac yeah <laughs> they eat cats uh well they eat people oh, okay. uh, and obviously they all transform into people and just yeah we see them eat people uh but anyway steel he's he's at his he's at his gym uh and he's he's got his buddy uh, who is basically raising his family. He's the older brothers who's looking after his family and that. Uh, but he gets attacked by one of the parasites. Hmm. Uh, now, we've got here, carrying on with what we mentioned earlier, Steel's side characters and his subplots continue throughout this. Uh, and we essentially get a continuation of the story, which is why I feel like they are quite, not necessarily important, but they do add to it because they do continue these stories yeah i didn't miss that these weren't there yeah but it certainly seems that in one particular case the personal trainer that lex murders yeah that pays off in one of these it does and and that's quite good as well so they feel more like continuations rather than additions for Mm. them to not be there you're not missing out on anything but they add to that idea of these characters have more screen time these characters have more of a life than a role um and yeah but i mean the problem with bloodlines is the fact that they were all backdoor pilots the black backdoor pilot aspect of it is poor uh because we have just these edgy superheroes uh who were they i have no idea so did they not go on to get their own because didn't hitman come from that so some of them did but then some of them failed so this guy i have no idea if he carried on He, he he grows shards of glass out of him uh, and an attempt to stop his clothes from ripping off, uh, even though they have already ripped off. Mm. He takes barbed wire and wraps it all over himself. Uh, but he's out for revenge, and Steel and Maggie Sawyer start inspecting them, and that's the continuing thread throughout these Superman annuals, right. is Maggie Sawyer is investigating why so many people are murdered. Essentially, yeah. there's mass graves in Metropolis now. Uh, so the alien that ate the guy is now after his brother because his brother's trying to try and find out why his, his big brother's missing uh, and chaos does ensue and it basically just ends with the three of them teaming up to beat down the parasite the parasite gets away because we've got another year's worth of annuals to get through um, 
And yeah, it's just a perfectly fine, good horror story turned into superhero action. Just with a very, very literally edgy hero who doesn't go anywhere. I think he does call himself Edge as well. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if he ever became anything then. No, I don't right. believe so. I love Maggie Sawyer in this. Yeah. I think she's she's gold yes. throughout this entire story arc. The writers who followed up John Byrne did an excellent job with Maggie. Because under Byrne, she was literally just butch lesbian. Of course, yeah. That's pretty much her character. Yeah. And the writers after that actually developed her. And made her a character. Yeah, made her a character and made her really interesting and, and genuinely progressive. Yeah. Not just lip service to progressive. Yeah. Which I kind of think was, was Burns' thing. Yeah. Whereas she's great in this. There's a scene much later on where she gets promoted to inspector. Yes. And Superman obviously doesn't know that because he's been dead. Yeah, yeah. And the scene where she gets promoted is brilliant. And it's the guy just saying, look, no, 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 nothing to do with that. Yeah. I just don't like that you're in charge of a unit where you're, yeah, you're, yeah. you are outranked by people under you. Yeah. So I'm changing that right now. Oh, that was brilliant. Was that Merv Berkowitz who did that for her? I think I so, yeah. Because he ultimately gets killed, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I believe Lex ultimately kills Merv Berkowitz. Okay. As the series carries on, I think. Uh, yeah, action comic Guy Gardner goes after Superman because Guy Gardner fell in love with Superman following Doomsday and therefore fully endorses a Superman that just kills people. Which makes quite sense. Quite mercilessly. It does make sense. Do you like Guy Gardner? I do like Guy Gardner. Do you? I know I should. Guy Gardner is like the bad boyfriend phase. It's like, you know you shouldn't, <laughs> but you can't help yourself. Um, see, because I didn't read a lot of Green Lantern growing up, or Justice League. I never, I wasn't overly familiar with Guy Gardner when I originally read this. Yeah. So you know, despite his obnoxious attitude, I quite liked him. I like. I wouldn't call myself a Guy Gardner fan. I enjoy him because he's always from the Green Lantern stuff I have read. He's always a co-star. Yeah. Basically, so I, I you know, I don't have much of a great affinity for him, but I like him when he shows up. And you don't have to show every character's viewpoint. Well, yeah. And not every character has to be likeable. Yes. And it's, I don't know, he's weird, isn't he? It's not that he's unlikable. It's just that he's one of them who's just a bit much. Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a complete asshole. But that's the character of it. So at least because you know that's the intention, you're mm. like, okay, I can get behind this to a degree. But even though, as an asshole, he still occasionally has moments of... Yeah. Where he is, he is quite heroic. Which, you know, I thought was quite cool. But I like him endorsing the eradicator version of Superman makes him rethink what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea that he's going, wait a minute, if Guy Gardner's supporting <laughs> me, maybe I should rethink what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was okay. Yeah, it was perfectly fine. We get the first meeting between different ones in the Man of Steel next, which is the meeting between Superboy and Steel. Unless you've got a no, no, my no, continues. No, yours follows on. Your paper's a lot glossier than mine. I was, I laugh to be honest. I was quite impressed with White Rabbit's booty, <laughs> because Boggs certainly does emphasise the shapeliness of her ass every single time she's on panel. Yeah, it's a very stiff. Uh, like, Sorry, what? It's a very stiffly. You're really, you're, 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 <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Every single one looks like a centerfold. Yes, she's 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 certainly got a lot of. Um, 
Caboose. <laughs> On the other hand, though, Bogdanov does a great Lois Lane. He does do a great Lois Lane. His, his version of Superboy is not great. Mm. And I found that fascinating that the different artists didn't really have a vibe on the other's characters. Jackson Guys draws Superboy as just Superman, but smaller. Yeah, but his version of the cyborg looks off as well. Yeah. Grummet's take on Steel isn't quite there. But his cyborg Superman is but great. But his cyborg Superman's brilliant, yeah. Jurgens pretty much nails them all. Yeah. I think he's the only one of the four of them who gets all of them. Well, did Jurgens design them all? I don't or at least know. loosely? I thought they were allowed to design their own characters. Yes, they are. But you As see, there's some extra arty stuff at the back of yours. The back of, yeah, so that's all the design. So yeah, they did all do their own designs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they all. So that's probably why they don't have much of a handle on each other's character, or yeah. as good as. But Dan Jurgens does. Dan Jurgens pretty much nails them all. So fair play to him for that. I suppose we should say that. Um, the weapons that John Henry designed, these Toastmasters, the ones that found the way onto the streets and what people are getting mur- kids are being murdered by. Yeah. We should point that out. Is, isn't Lex trying to get older them? Because he, he has his own weapons, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's well, not he... happy that the Toastmasters are around. So he just wants control of them. But he also wants to get rid of Steel because Steel turned him down. Yes. And he, he well, Superboy. There's a great bit where he tries to get Superboy to sign to WLEX, which is the. Yeah television station that Lex owns <laughs> yeah. because he's flighty yeah. he ends up signing with somebody else <laughs> that amused me no end Superman 79 is one of the best covers of the series I love that cover Yeah, Superman cyborg guy with a very tattered US flag no backgrounds I'm a big fan of that I know people that aren't that's fine <laughs> but it's yeah I think that's a lovely cover by Dan Jurgens and presumably Brett Breeding it's definitely a poster at some point yes and I would hope so my only issue with this is the actual issue because forced I want to say yeah um... see I didn't mind the actual story to prove it which was a Yates Superman sentiment. oh no I completely get what how how they're going with it and i have no issue whatsoever with pro stories yeah i like the exact concept yep so absolutely fine it's again and it feels forced it feels like um perfectly fine narrative but we're trying to embed the idea that this is the superman you know where they're going with it yeah so they can turn around and go oh no i was wrong all along Hmm. but it goes out of its way more so than any of the other three Supermen to go, no, this is the real one. Look, even the president has just shown up to say so. Yeah. Well, you've also got the thing there that, one, it reads like a short story, which it is. Yeah. But it doesn't read like something you'd get in a newspaper. Secondly, Ron Troop is supposed to be a newbie, isn't he? He's not been around that long, if memory yeah, serves. Yeah. Would they give him this much of a column? He's not an established reporter like Lois. So he's not like... God, I can't think of one at the minute because I've not read newspapers in years. But there are there are newspaper writers who get entire pages yeah. to do their own columns, yeah. their own opinion pieces or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, and Ron Tr- Lois well, may have one. He's The whole point of this as well is he's taken over Clark's column. Yeah. And this, this was supposed to be... It. I don't believe Perry believe Ron Troop could turn this in. I think it was just kind of a 
you know, go get me some tartan paint kind of thing. And then he showed <laughs> up with the paint. You know? And he's shocked that he actually pulls it off. Yeah. The problem with that is I think it makes Ron Troop come across a bit of a tryhard. Yeah. He specifically asked for Clark's beat. Yeah. And Perry would be well within his rights to say, get out of here, kid. Yeah. To his credit, he doesn't. So fair enough. But then he gets his desk yeah. and his locker. Yeah. And then later on, he sat at that desk wearing a fedora like uh, Clark would do. He might as well have just moved into his apartment as well. Well, doesn't he? I don't know. <laughs> doesn't he actually get the apartment as well? well? Yeah. I do like as well, in hindsight, you, you can go back and read this. And yeah, he's the bad guy. He goes to the White House just to steal all of the worldwide government secrets. Yeah. That's the only reason he does it. Yeah. And then he's just kind of like, oh, you know, if I can kind of convince everyone to believe I'm Superman as well, that's cool. Well, and I do love the, the Daily Planet issue that's at the back of the story. The yeah. Daily Planet cover. Superman shaking hands with the president, who at that point was Bill Clinton. Is that it supposed was, to be Bill Clinton? Clinton. Um, I mean, can you imagine nowadays that what the opposition would make of Clinton oh, backing yeah. the cyborg Superman who ultimately destroys Co City. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing a second term He's after this. Not, no, he isn't. And was he a Republican, Clinton? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea what They're he all was. much of a muchness now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, that's true. But I can't imagine any of them letting that go. I know, yeah. That's, that's the next election cycle Clinton's not winning. Because no. there's no way he can... How can he back that down? From that. Oh, well, you back the guy who destroyed a major American city. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not coming back from this politically, I don't think. I mean, irrespective of um, whatever her name was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, th- I think, you know, having the Coast City bombing would have outshone that just a little bit. That probably would have overshadowed it, yeah. yeah. I mean, he got impeached for that. <laughs> but for the Coast City bombing, I think, mean, <laughs> hey, just resign now, Belt. <laughs> You're not coming back from this. We can forgive the infidelity, but we yeah. draw the line at the bombings. <laughs> <laughs> we draw the line at an entire city being nuked <laughs> by the guy you said yeah. was the one true Superman and that you gave access <laughs> to the nuclear codes to. I'm sorry, he's, no. At that, that point... The DC Universe should not have the same president as us. That's when Lex should have ran. Yeah, yeah. Lex should have ran on that platform. Shouldn't you let Coast City get destroyed? <laughs> that would have been Brill. Bill Clinton, war criminal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. If all, I bet if they'd known, yeah. they probably would have done that. I think it's, this This is probably one of the reasons why they never show the presidents anymore. It's yes. Just Mr. President, shadowy figure. Yeah, because you are looking at this going, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't mind him being shown at the funeral. Yeah, even though we both said because nowadays that dates it more than anything. Yeah, that it is actually the president who was the president at the time at the funeral. Yeah, but actually having, the... I wonder if Clint never read these. <laughs> <laughs> Reading it out as it goes along, it's like <laughs> I wonder if in real life he was like, nah, I'm not backing this. Dude. <laughs> I would love to know. I would love to know what he thought about. I want the tabloids. Bill Clinton actually supports fascist Superman. <laughs> well, he did. well, I mean, technically. <laughs> no, there's no technical. He did. He actually supported the one who killed people. Name me two characters from Reign of Superman. Fascist Superman. <laughs> oh, I set the bar too low on that one. Uh, the next one actually has Superboy meet Supergirl, and he does so with a boobs gag. 
He does. Well, before we get to here, I've got another bloodline. Oh, one. right. Okay. So go on. So Take this one's on. this one's a cyborg one. Myriad. I don't think that's actually her name. Uh, but this one's written by Jurgens, uh, and this does continue off the uh, dead karate instructor. Yeah. Um, it does carry on with the bloodline stuff. So there's all the mass graves. Superman. Cyborg Superman's trying to prove himself to Maggie Sawyer. He's like, well, why don't you trust me? Even the president trusts me now. Yeah, he plays on that a lot, doesn't he? He does as well. Oh. Um, but with this one, the uh, gluttonous one of the the parasites just starts feeding on dead people. Right. And her body is dumped in the Lex-owned uh, junkyard. Uh, we bring up his dad is trying to bother Lex. He's like, well, why can't you find my daughter? Why aren't you still looking for it? Uh, while Superman is still trying to investigate uh, the bloodline stuff. Now, she... I didn't quite get what her powers was. She touches someone and then looks like them, but then doesn't look like anyone else that she touches, but she gets all of her memories, even though she doesn't look like them anymore. Um, now, there's some great stuff in this because Lex believes that Superman's catching on to him. Superman comes very close to putting the two pieces together mm. uh, to piece together that uh, Lex actually killed her. Uh, but it's just like, oh no, the real killers are these aliens. And Lex's like, oh, thank God for that. Right. He thinks it's someone else. Uh, but Super Cyborg Superman does come close to, to breaking down Lex's uh, disguise. Uh, now, they bring her in and... Lex is like, we need to get rid of her because if she does get her memory back, she can she tell. She knows I killed she her. She knows, yeah. Um, but what happens here is where the story just kind of falls apart. Superman goes off to fight one of Lex's distractions and sends her away with one of his assassins. Now, she touches the assassin, crashes the helicopter that they're in, and then becomes an assassin, and that's how it ends. So I think the idea here was for her to just continue off and carry on being an assassin in her own series. Because mm. it, it doesn't exactly explain how her powers work. Yeah. She touches people, becomes the people, but then doesn't. But she changed into this person potentially forever. This was a weird one. And this is where I feel like the actual backdoor pilot aspects of Bloodlines was really naff. And this is why they didn't go anywhere. Right. Uh, but all the Superman stuff is great. The Lex stuff is particularly great, like I mentioned, just with him preparing to let everything go down. Who drew this one? Because he doesn't seem to have as good a handle on the cyborg as Jurgens does. No, he doesn't. Uh, so, David Lapham. Right, okay. He did Stray Bullets, didn't he? Did he? I think so. Okay. There's a lot of Lee Weeks in this yeah. in certain places as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, so after that, as I preempted, yeah. uh, Adventures 5 or 2, Superboy meets Supergirl, as I mentioned, boob gag. Yeah. Telling you, this guy is getting a sexual harassment suit. <laughs> I don't care that he's only six. Sixteen. Sixteen. Well, well technically it's three technically days. Well, the Stinger is the bad guy in this one. We learned that... What's his name? Morgan... Is it Morgan Edge? Morgan Edge, Morgan yeah. Edge is setting up crimes for Superboy to stop. Or is it the other Edge? Is it Morgan Edge's dad? That's the one, yeah. Um... Because he keeps hitting on Cat Grant. He's a yeah, lech. Yeah. The Stinger is very much Spider-Man. Yeah. Isn't he? Uh, that pause at the window, though. Yeah. On yeah. page 655 of my omnibus. If you've got the other omnibus of the other... Because th- there was three different omnibuses. Yeah. 
all the prints that Michael have got, all the individual comics, these page numbers mean nothing oh, to no. you. For which I apologise. Uh, but he says he's going to go to Bessalo Boulevard. Okay. A far better tribute to George Reeves than the one in the Flash movie. Yeah. Because that was his real name. Okay. George Bassalo. So that was quite cute. It's a good issue, this. I mean, it's mostly Supergirl whining and dining Superboy by deliberately just being as femininely sexy as she can. She does humour him. Yeah. And Lex lets her. Oh, yeah, because Lex... all about it. (laughs) One of the best things about this is Lex just wants to own his own Superman and fails every single time. fails all the time. That one, that panel of Superboy taking off and the two waving at him, very similar to a panel at the bottom of Amazing Spider-Man 45. Okay. Where Spider-Man swings away from the Lizard's family. After having cured him again. Again. Again, because that's they were lizard stories. Oh, you're the lizard again. Oh, get a better whip up another cure. <laughs> uh, it's. And what do you think of Roxy and Rex Leach? I they, were, they were what they were. They were fine. They were fun. They weren't in it enough to get irritated. Yeah, and they play Tara Moon. Is she Tara or Tara? Tana. Tara Moon has been a potential love interest for Superboy. But she seems... She can't be a news reporter at 16 years of age, right? No, that's true. So she's got to be at least five years older than him? Yeah. Well, she does turn him down. Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with it. Different romances are the the domain of the people who are involved. It's nothing to do with me. I just felt that Roxy hits on him. She's only supposed to be his age. Yeah. I felt that was a little bit more icky because she's been encouraged to do that by her dad. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit more icky than Tana, who is at least her own woman and knows what she's doing. Yeah. She's making her own choices. Albeit a very young reporter. Yeah. But that, that was with why she must be at least 21. She has to be, right? I guess. So I don't know. I don't know that anyone pointed that out at the time. I don't remember. Or a very lucky intern, I guess. Yeah, possibly. But at the same time, like I said, she's making her own choices. She's her own woman. It's none of our business. Unless Superboy is underage. I don't know. Because <laughs> you, you forget stuff like that. It's different ages in different states in America, isn't it? Whereas over here, it's a flat 16. I have no idea. I, I think so. I, I can't say I've ever shown much interest in, in researching well, the different you, ages of consent. I've never researched <laughs> it. I am a word. Like, because France is 15. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It is what it is, isn't it? Anyway, Bibbo gets a lot to do in this. He does. And that's With fun. Because I like Bibbo and I like his little dog. And your little dad, too. And um and it ends with this is the start really of the 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 final bit in it yeah the spaceship with Mongol on is approaching Earth yeah and I think that's the end of your trade isn't it that is so that's the end of so that's the end of the reign, reign of the Superman and your next trade becomes the return of Superman yeah but the headline on the top of the comics is still reign of the Superman for Action Comics six eight nine well I think it's more so as well this issue has Superman wake up as well. So yeah. I guess it's a good so time that's for it to... the where they did the break. No, yeah. that's fair enough. I don't mind that at all. Action 689. This is where it basically all starts bleeding into each other, isn't it? Yes. At this point, each cliffhanger leads into the next issue of yeah. the story, not the next issue of that title. Yeah. And I don't know that anyone at this point was only reading one Superman title. No. I think it's highly unlikely 
you were buying Man of Steel and that's it. I would imagine everyone was buying the same thing. I do it, like the foreshadowing that keeps going into it of Superman's Space Marine Warhammer costume. <laughs> that's just there in the background, but very in the front of the background it's more and more. Space Marine Warhammer costume. That's what it is. It is. That's, that's very true. Supergirl can't seem to decide whether she's flirting with Superboy or not, because she literally drapes herself all over him. And then goes to Lex and does the same thing. But as we established last time, Lex is cheating on her. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't deserve any consideration whatsoever. And she's definitely still doing it here to try and get him to sign a contract. Yeah, even though he's he's already signed with Rex Leach. So he's already blown that. It's at this point that Jeb Friedman comes back into the picture. Jeb Friedman's a scumbag. And I could have done without seeing him ever again. I think he gets killed. Oh, does he? I think... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he gets killed long time ahead of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After this. But I think he gets killed, but so does Meberkovitz. I think we've mentioned that as well. Uh, We get another confrontation between Superman and Superman. In this case, Steel and the Man of Tomorrow go at it. I did not believe for a second that the cyborg Superman could go toe-to-toe with the Eradicator in a fight. Even with the internal monologue that the Eradicator has, that, oh, I, I could just crush him with one uh, finger. John Henry, not the cyborg Superman. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't believe Steel could take down the Eradicator. Yeah. I didn't buy that at all. Yeah. I know his suit's great and super special and all that, but the Eradicator is essentially a pure-blood Kryptonian with Superman's essentially powers. Superman, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't buy it. Even with the, but am I doing the right thing? Oh, no. I just, no. Yeah. I wasn't there with that. I think Ron Troop sitting at Clark's desk in his fedora with his glasses on is actually quite inconsiderate of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is another example of Paul Lois, who, as we've already pointed out, would probably be in therapy for a year <laughs> after the events of this story. This Is it this one that wraps up the Toastmasters stuff? No, we've gone past that now. When he because burns he's... down the factory. Yeah, he's still dealing with White Rabbit, though, isn't he? No, she's dead. Oh, she yes, she gets crushed here, doesn't she? But... She gets killed in this story. Uh, he, blows... yeah, he does blow the yeah. factory up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah this, this is, is the yeah. end of the Toastmasters story. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have this White Rabbit meet the Marvel White Rabbit. Because <laughs> that would have been... Do you know who the Marvel White Rabbit is? I'm vaguely, yes. Yeah. She's She was Harley Quinn before Harley Quinn. Yeah. And she had that same vibe that Harley Quinn has, that she's funny crazy. Yeah. I think James DiMatteis created her for Marvel Team Up, and I don't know that she ever went on and did anything else, uh, but she was great. Yeah. Must be. I mean, I know of her, so it must be in here and there kind of thing. Oh, you've read a couple of those old Spider-Man comics that she's yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, straight after this, and this just kind of wraps up everything, doesn't it? We get two pages for just Steel to wrap up his own little story yeah. up before we move on to And things. essentially, exactly the same cliffhanger ending as the last issue. The spaceship is still approaching Earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we forget about that because we then move into Bloodlines Earth Plague. Ah, okay. So uh, Bloodlines are different chapters as well. Yeah, it? it did. I think it had three. It had the Outbreak. Yeah. And then it had this Earth Plague. And then it had... It culminated in two issues. Right. Uh, but yeah, so this one is Action 5. Uh, so this one's the Eradicators. Despite being in Coast City, he's now back in Metropolis again. Right. Uh, where he's just doing his own stuff. 
Um, Maggie Sawyer is trying to bring back one of her old not buddy cop friends who's a, a maverick and he yeah. plays by things his own way and now he's turned his back on the badge but he's kept his gun and some of this stuff's actually quite good he's, Martin Riggs he's, he's crippled now so he's considering shooting himself until Maggie's like just one more job to get you back on the streets and is he does he end up being a bloodline he does oh, okay. yeah not to you know spoil anything but this character we've never met before uh, but yes, he's on the street. He's trying to find out who's killing everyone. Uh, and he himself is infected as well. Uh, he, One of them tries to eat the Eradicator. And he's like, I'm not having <laughs> any of this. So they decide to fight each other. Meanwhile, Loose Cannon uh, is now no memory. So he's like, why is Superman beating up this woman in scantily clad outfit? Unaware that she just, you know, infected him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they fight each other before they destroy the bridge that Superboy just destroyed. Um, and So the continuity is not all it could be in the Bloodline stories. Continuity is not so much so. Uh, could yet, you say this is taking place at the same time as that? If anything, this should be before. Right. Uh, but yet, they all fight all the, the, the parasites. His power is that his colour changes depending on his emotions... Okay. Uh, and Maggie Sawyer thinks she knows who he is, but then he jumps off. And in a very, very kind of cringy scene, he goes to shake the Eradicator's Superman hands and goes, even you have to have friends. And the Eradicator goes, maybe, friend. Okay. And they never meet again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he, he jumps off and he's loose cannon. And then he comes home and, oh, the sun rises. He's back to being a normal man with these broken legs now. Right. So he's a, he, so he becomes a monster that turns red and blue, but never green. Yeah. Yeah, weirdly. Know, copyright he do, infringement. He does have at least one more appearance in the next Bloodlines annual. Right. Uh, but, yeah, this was written by Jeff Loeb as well, so I was quite surprised at how kind of... Crap? Subpar it was. <laughs> <laughs> you were a lot more polite than I was. This was written by Jeff Loeb, so I was surprised how crap it was. It's the, 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 the running trope with these Bloodlines annuals are that they're actually really good, but then they're let down by having to introduce a new character. Mm. But this, I, I quite liked this this so, detective dude until he became Lewis Cannon. So basically, they're like every backdoor pilot that ever was. They're ev- yeah, they are just backdoor pilots. They're not good. Well, no. There was never a good episode of a TV show that was a backdoor pilot. But the front door aspects of it <laughs> are, are quite good. <laughs> so if you're going in the front door, that's okay. Exactly. But nobody wants to go in the back door. It's messy going through the back door. Okay, <laughs> but at least, at least you never have to see them again. <laughs> <laughs> well, not if they're in the back door, no. Uh, Superman issue 80 is another spectacular cover. Yes. It kind of gives it away a little bit. Yeah. Because it is Cyborg Superman blasting Eradicator Superman and making him look like an old dude. Yes. But it's a cracking cover. They, they, they did show the, the hand of this one just a little bit earlier. Yeah. I mean, it could be. They're just having a fight, though. True. I love things are booming in Coast City because they'd already signposted that. Yep. Back in the Newsweek yeah, yeah, yeah. special. That, so that's good. I thought that was quite clever. Uh, this is basically the turning point for the issue, isn't it? And yes. once we get here, the Coast City stuff is where this really takes off into a proper big balls action movie. 
full of action, yet it never forgets the characters that are that what we're here for. Yeah. So all of that works. This is where I think this scores over other tie-ins like this. Yeah. It's about the characters. If anything, I think Cyborg Superman plays his hand a bit early, uh, especially within the context of it being a story as well i think co city should have been blown up mm. we get the mystery and then he shows his hand rather than him showing his hand and then co city blows up right so you think who destroyed we should have been the president yeah because we should have seen co city and then him going in there and us not know he was the bad guy yeah because one of the recurring things throughout these next couple of issues or so is him telling people not to go in yeah, we don't know what's yeah. in there but we're still inside i think it would have been better from a mystery point of view yeah to have, well, is it the Eradicator? Is he the bad guy? And then you have the reveal. But you do get two absolutely fantastic panels of the cyborg mercilessly beating oh, yeah. on him. He shoots him through the stomach and then yeah. literally fires a gun at point-blank range through his head. Through his face, yeah. And that, some of this is quite what's it. And then he blows up Coast City. Yeah. I remember this twist actually being quite effective. I mean, even if we didn't think any of them were the real Superman, I don't think we thought one of them was going to be this unremittingly evil. Yeah. And so we, it, it's very effective, and the art is exceptionally good. And I think, as a twist, it works very, very well. And it also introduces the mystery of the guy in the armour, which obviously turns out to be Superman. And the final pal of, of Mongol kissing his wrist. Yeah. It's quite cool as well. I think my only kind of issue with this is the fact that they blow up Coast City, not in Green Lantern's story as well. It kind of feels a bit like coming over to your mate's house, stomping on all of his toys and then going away and not having to clean up the mess. <laughs> so, like, Coast City just felt like an interesting choice for a Superman story. Obviously, well, they're not going to blow up Metropolis. They're not going to blow up Metropolis. But they're not going to blow up Gotham. No, but it just, it's just one of those things of just like, like I said, Coast City isn't necessarily the Superman creative team's thing to destroy. It felt like a weird choice. Hmm. Okay, we're kicking into the final act with Reign of the Superman, Adventures of Superman issue 503, which has Superman, the cyborg, kicking the crack out of Superboy. Don't call him Superboy. Don't call him Superboy, yeah. The kid. Yeah. The, the kid of steel. The Coast City clone. The yeah. Cadmus clone. The That's Cad better, isn't it? Oh, that sounds the, like a cowboy. The Cadmus kid. The Cadmus kid. That's <laughs> right, kids, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, this issue is great. We start off with a great bit. Where he finds these civilians and yeah. they're going, oh, Superman's here to save us. And then he, he just eradicates them, them. He blasts them all. He's like, somebody hates children yeah. in the Superman yeah. office. Because yeah. one of those is a kid. Yeah. Superman fries, fake Superman, fries a kid on panel. Dude. I mean, get over whatever it is you don't like about children. <laughs> it's shocking. Uh, I do love in this issue when he slips up and yeah. Lois catches it. It's page 758 of the Omnibus where he says he says to the super kid, I wish I was that confident in my powers when I was your age. And Lois goes, what? Which is funny as well because this either does work or doesn't work depending on your timeline as well. Because mm. well, he was Superboy as well in some 
Not in this version. Yeah. He was never super buying this. And they set that up for people that don't know it earlier on when she phones Martha and says yeah. if he'd had if he yeah. had the powers at this age. And that's a really subtle bit of foreshadowing and payoff. Yeah. Within this story. Yeah. I thought it was really clever. You don't need to know that the post-crisis Superman was never Superboy. They do it in this. They tell you anyway, yeah. And I thought that was a brilliant piece. And they don't even have a, did you spot this on page, whatever. Yeah. I love that that's, ah, oh, that's a Because that's it. That's just the one panel. And she yeah. doesn't bring it up again until later. Oh, it was very clever. And it, it, again, if you're paying attention, oh, yeah, she mentioned to Martha early on he didn't have his powers when he yeah. was 15. Oh, good. There's some great wordplay in this as well from the cyborg Superman. Yeah. Like, don't follow me in though, you will die. No, yeah. we're fine. And and the brilliant bit where he, he says to the family, the bad guy's behind you. Yeah. And they turn around yeah. to look and say, No, I They're said behind you. you. And he fries them. The cyborg Superman decided now was the time to get a sense of humour. Yes. Now is the time to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I love all this stuff. This issue also has one of the best endings of the run. It is literally five pages of him kicking the crap out of Super Kid. Yeah. Just, it, it's not even a fight. No, and then it just ends with that cliffhanger of just him yeah. decapitating him. Yeah, it lit- that's what it looks like, doesn't it? It looks like he's smashed his head off his shoulders. Yeah. It looks like he's just murdered him. Yeah. And given that in the previous issue he murdered the Eradicator... You yeah. are literally at this point, oh crap, we're too down. And considering the Superman creative team's hatred for anyone under 18. <laughs> it's perfectly it's viable that they just kill this kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, that, this was a genuinely good issue. And it takes away some of it that you read in it as a whole. Because as mostly, a cliffhanger, yeah. that, was, that was better than the last issue's cliffhanger. Yeah. Where you're like, oh shit, this guy's the bad guy. Yeah. And then not only that, but he's taking two of them out. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's really well done and really well executed. And the art's fantastic. It helps that Grummet does and can draw Cyborg Superman. If this had happened in like an issue with somebody who couldn't draw one or two of these characters, yeah. it wouldn't have worked. But it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love all the devout religious our superman's the real one guys from action 690 yeah i mean i didn't i didn't care much for these dudes they were just kind of there yeah i like that they painted off the first to look like a cyborg though. yeah i think like, like that's quite quite fun yeah it's he, he does turn into a little bit of a mustache twirly villain at this point he does more and more so throughout it as well and i think this brings up what we're saying about the creative teams having different interpretations of the the characters. Mm. Jackson Geist now starts to fall behind a little bit because he can neither do Cyborg nor Superboy, but they're the main characters in this, really. That's not a bad panel of Superboy and Ped 780. Yeah. Superman, sorry, Cyborg Superman. But yeah, there's something about the Cyborg only... Only Dan Jurgens nails it. Grummet does an exceptionally good job. Yeah. I don't know that the others get it. But what we get here is, and this isn't the first time Roger Stern has been dumped with a, all of the ex, exposition. Yes. It happens again later. Because we just stopped the story yeah, to explain. we stopped the story dead to explain how the Eradicator came to be and how he managed to survive. And the battle robot stuff. Yeah. 
and there's a lot of an awful lot of this exposition stuff but more later yeah that is just answering the well actually crowd yeah and you get that as well with why isn't there just this league showing up oh, yeah well let's get them into space then yeah there's there's you know there's a subset of comic book fans who just can't go with the story yeah. They will all be well. Actually, you established in issue thirty-eight yeah. that, and a lot of this feels very much like we're gonna have to show on this in, yeah, or we're gonna get letters. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the old days, they would have answered those letters in the letters page and said, "Well, we did think about that, and this is what happened." Yeah, because it you're right. It does slow the story a bit. But then again, you know, how much of it is, well, let's explain it naturally in the story and how much of it is you don't want to rise a Skywalker it and explain it outside yeah. the story. Yeah, but then again, you don't need it more than once. Yeah. And that's my issue with the last issue. Yeah. You get yeah. exactly the same explanation that you've already had. Yes. So it's not as good as it could be. Uh, Superman, the genuine Superman returns in The Return, which is Man of Steel issue number 25. Weirdly, in my version, that's the second print cover. Uh, I believe it must be from is yours? as well, yeah. Yeah, no, that's weird, that, isn't it? Well, I remember, didn't all of these at the time have that close-up face shot, but none of them are collected in here? Or was no, that no, that's on? later. Right, I know okay. what you're thinking of. There was a month where DC did covers that was just close-ups of people's face. Yeah, yeah. But you're well into Hitman being out. Yes, of course, yeah. And that obviously follows Bloodlines. Yeah. So that is significantly later than this. Yeah, you look at Boggs' handling a cyborg, though, and it's not great. And he's not as bad with the kid. The kid's far too muscular yeah. in comparison to how Grummet draws him. Yeah. So, I like his Mongol. Yeah, his I Mongol's good. The Mongol, yeah. And again, his Lois is good. All the stuff that he's used to drawing, he's great. Yeah. His Lois is great. His Mongol is great. His Supergirl's great. And not... Yeah, I just don't... I don't really buy his others. I love that Jimmy's now wearing Spin Doctors t-shirts because the Spin Doctors <laughs> okay, had yeah. that album out of this town in their pocket full of kryptonite. Yeah. So, you know, and they were a really cool band that a cool hip dude like Jimmy would be into. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, there's not really a lot to say on an individual issue basis as we go along now. It is part of the whole at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're setting up the Warhammer Space Marine yeah. to be the bad guy here and then it gives birth to... You're into the end of a Mission Impossible film here, where Tom Cruise is off doing Cobb Cruisey stuff, right. but the rest of the team are also doing stuff. Yeah. And it keeps cutting between those people doing those stuff, that, and it will all dovetail at the end. But then you do also have about ten issues of that left still. Yes, but it never flags. The only time it does flag is the annual, which is still in here. We do have one last bloodline. Oh, one, right. well, it, that's not in it mind. It does feel the most natural of all of them. Yeah. And then you get the Green Lantern one as well, which I think kind of puts the brakes on just a little bit. Okay. I don't know that I get that. Dan Jurgens is left with the explanation to this he's been the real Superman. I adore that Superman proves he's the real Superman by telling Lois the first time that they slept together. <laughs> that's literally what he does yeah alright well the only thing I can tell you that no one else knows is yeah. Lois do you remember that night in July what the <laughs> okay but my favourite thing about him as well is he kind of proves that he's Superman by not caring about proving that he's Superman yeah he doesn't care what anyone else thinks about him yeah there's actually a line where Cyborg says to him um I don't think we should I don't care what you think yeah <laughs> oh dissed yeah <laughs> But he's, he does that the same with everyone else as well. He's like, well, I, I don't care what you call yourself, just as long as you can do the job. Yeah, we've got something to do. Let's get on with it. Yeah. You can believe me. You cannot believe me. I don't care. Yeah. 
we need to get on with this. We've not got time to faff around. And it's one of those things. It's it's refreshing and it's a, it's great fun to just have Superman be back and not care that yeah. he's he's just like I've got a job to do. Let's yeah. go do it. I'm not here to prove myself to you. Yeah, we just need to do it. And then this issue slows to a crawl. Yeah, to explain how Hank Henshaw came about. I think this one is the most necessary of all of them with him being the big bad guy. Yes. And because he doesn't look at, you know, he's not got the appearance, he's got nothing else, there's been no foreshadowing so much. Yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's the only one that's necessary to to explain. Yeah. I do like that uh, he started out as Johnny Five. Yeah. And grew up to be the Terminator. (laughs) That's AI. Yeah. That's happening right now. That is. <laughs> That's what's happening here right now. I am also a big fan of the piss takery going on here of Superman donning an all black costume, waving guns around. Yeah. And he's got the thigh pouches and all of that stuff. And he's clearly semi mocking image comics here. Yeah. Um later on we would put the the black costume on him to be edgy and dirty. Yeah. But here it's it's a little bit of a take in the piss. Yeah, which but I quite like. The black suit's kind of cool. The black and the uh, silver. I don't mind. I don't know why he's got the the wrist gauntlets. Yeah, I don't know what that's all. He's not Wonder Woman, and I kind of miss the cape. Yeah, I wish he'd had a cape. I wish Steel had given him his cape. The red with the silver and red. The black with the silver and red. Sorry, would probably work really or well. Or a black cape with the silver lining. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I owe silver lining. Yeah. That that would probably have worked. I'm also very much team mullet. It's not a mullet. It is. It's the last series of my... I'm with Mike here. Right. The last season of Miami Vice, which you've never seen because they did before you were born. Yeah. Don Johnson has much longer hair right. than in the first seasons. So and that's all it is. It's long hair. Just to kind of get this out there. Now we can see his little curls. We can see his little fringe. Yeah. It almost looks short at the front. Well, whereas it's quite elongated at the back. But when you turn the page, Tom Grummet is clearly drawing him with long hair. Dan Jurgens here is not drawing him. Well, Dan Jurgens right. is drawing a mullet. Fair enough. Okay. Dan Jurgens is doing business reporter in the front. <laughs> So Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen party so boy. Basically, the answer to the question, does Superman have a mullet, is it depends who the artist is. Basically, yeah, it's how long is Superman, uh, is Batman's cape? Yeah, depends who the artist exactly. is. Exactly. How long is his ears? Exactly. I I'm I can go with you about what you're saying with Jurgens, but Grummet is clearly drawing long hair. Yeah. And not a what's his name. Yeah. A mullet. But uh, whatever. The mullet know. looks cooler. It sorry, sorry, it does. Under no circumstances those words ever be used. Well, it's uh, I mean the kind of uh, I mean I'm only I'm only justifying <laughs> that because the last time I got my haircut that's that's that you know how it is now. But yeah. well, if it's good okay. enough for Superman, it's good enough for me. Okay, fair enough. I love this issue, which is like you said earlier on. Oh, this is Assault on Engine City. Sorry, it's Adventures Five or Four. It's a basically balls out action issue with the three Supermen that are left, and tactically very clever. An invisible Supergirl. Yes. Which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. And this is Superboy's Trial by Fire. Yeah, and there's some great character bits in this. Yeah. Uh, just the dialogue between them about, you know, proving who's who in that. Uh, Superboy's already made his mind up. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's just, yeah, they're all here for the same thing. And then we get the culmination of Superboy's story arc where he decides to do the right thing. Even though he knows fire can harm him, even mm-hmm. though he knows he could die from this, yeah. he still does what the right thing is. No cameras are on him. 
Yeah, he's, he's not got, showing off. He's got no reason to do what he does other than the fact that it's the right thing to do and he can do it. Yep. First time we get a great shades of Elvis. Yeah. Foreshadowing Lois and Clark. But yeah, and this is another good cliffhanger. Because this one, it's a cliffhanger without being a cliffhanger. You're left thinking, have they just killed Superboy again? Yeah. Because you've already gone that whole thing of, of as he just killed him and yeah. he survived. Because at this point, remember, we didn't know they were getting their own books, I don't think. Okay, yeah. So that cowardice of storytelling that they did with Doomsday is not here. Yeah. They could have killed him. Yeah. And there's a part of it that's like, I kind of wish they had and give the story a bit more bite. Yeah. But at the same time, I get why. Well, they've didn't. not they've not explained him yet. Superboy's the only one they haven't explained. Yeah, yet they haven't really the gone into his background, have they? Because, like you say, the Cadmus stuff he's left. Yeah, out and that's that's been quite a big plot thread throughout these last issues as well as Superboy not knowing his own powers. So Cyborg Superman doesn't know what his own powers are as well. That's yeah. how he manages to escape. Yeah. Action. Roger Stern comes back on for Action Six Ninety One, and again, kind of has to lay it with a lot of exposition. Because it's his job now to explain how Superboy survived. And they do that old serial thing here, is they go back a little bit. Yeah. And show us stuff we didn't see before. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, Cyborg has become a ranting, raving supervillain at this point. This is where the Cyborg Superman falls apart a bit, is when he turns into Hank Henshaw. Yeah. And like I said, there's an entire page here of overwritten dialogue four pages really of the eradicator recovering and explaining what's going on and you know it's it's fine like you say it's exposition it has to go somewhere and supergirl is now part of the team she lex doesn't know she's here no which is fun but again we have to slow the story down to explain that supergirl was there all along Mm. invisibly rescuing us yeah and then man of steel 26 Again, we're blitzing through this stuff because it is just action beat after action beat. It's good. Yeah. Well, we then we've got a bloodlines one. You've got a bloodlines in between. Jeez. So, Superboy crash lands. Yeah. He's in the hospital recovering. All right. Okay. So we've got some bloodlines. So Keezel wrote it then. Uh, Yeah, and Tom Grummet did the thumbnails. Right. Um, And Ed Hannigan penciled it. Yeah. Uh, So this one's actually really good. They the parasites buy an abandoned property and right. decide to host a feast for the homeless which is essentially just Literally. luring in yeah. all these people in to eat them we've Superboy's in here Maggie Sawyer catches on because hmm. uh, like you've got a piercing you've also got the IV dripping you you weren't invincible when you were knocked out so there's some good stuff in some of these annuals right. that continue it um, we've well yeah because we've got the trademark of the S yeah. that Superboy owns you've then got all this stuff with these superheroic family uh the the teenage girl hasn't got her superpowers yet right. she's heard about these parasites who are infecting people and giving them superpowers so she intentionally wants them to attack her um going out of her way to be attacked by the parasites there's some decent stuff in there superboy meets crypto hired by maggie sawyer to investigate the parasites uh so he goes into the ace of clubs but he's only about 16 so bibbo kicks him out good well done bibbo uh, but yeah, so he does go to the homeless thing, and then we have this big fight scene. Obviously, the young girl does get attacked, and she does get superpowers so that Superboy can hit on her more. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well, he's consistent. 
If nothing else. So some decent bloodline stuff going on here with your your horror aspect, Superboy continuing on. Uh Maggie Sawyer does come in and shoot out all the parasites. Right. And it ends with Superboy just being like, ah, best get off back to Engine City. And yeah, uh the the not live wire, whatever she decides to call herself, kinda goes off. Well she can't be live wire, because live wire is a yeah. Animated series villain, isn't she? But yeah, and that uh, then ends with them teasing where Bloodlines itself would go, but we don't care about that because that's right. not in the rest that's of this. That's not relevant to this. Well, that not being in here didn't make a blind bit of difference. But it's the only one that I felt was kind of... Well, not the only one because some of them, like I said, are nice continuations. This explains what Superboy is kind of doing because the next time we see him, mm. he's just back. And it continues with it being by the same creative team. It does bring up more subtle seeds right. of his character. So it works as a Superboy story. Yeah, I suppose it helps being written by Carl Kiesel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Man of Steel 26, like we say, picks up. That is a cracking 90s splash page of Superman with a big gun. Oh, yeah. Absolute quality. Uh, Engine City is now Coast City. We now get supervillain machinations where Mongol is plotting his betrayal of Cyborg Superman. Yeah. Which is quite funny because these team-ups between the supervillains, you'd think they'd learn. Yeah. You know, they never go according to plan. It must have been really hard work for the Cyborg to maintain a relatively sane state because yeah. once he's gone all out villain, he's just mad. And but th this is where he becomes great again when mm. he stops being the cyborg Superman and just becomes the sentient city basically. Yeah, and it's actually really good. We finally get. Well, I say finally. I wasn't waiting for Green Lantern to show up, but he does for a panel. For a panel, but that leads into Green Lantern Forty Six, which I'd never missed because I don't know that I bought this when I was buying Reign of the Superman. Yeah. But I'm Latin. I'm on two minds about this. On the one hand, you are correct that the Superman title is blowing up Green Lantern cities a bit off. Yeah. But by the same token, I wasn't overly fond of Mongol being taken care of in an issue of Green Lantern. But it's also weird as well, its placement in here. Because we have Green Lantern showing up, taking down Mongol, but then at the end of the issue, we're wrapping up the reign of superman before superman's wrapped up the reign of superman hmm. uh, you know we see them all save the day we see him take down cyborg superman we see him get his costume back and fly off and then he's already on he's not even have time to grieve his entire city being bombed when it's like got another adventure to go to green lantern yeah and interestingly yours skips off the bottom next the return of green lantern and green arrow yeah yours has cut that off so it seems like we just leave Green Lantern in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah, well, we don't care about you now. Bye. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame as well. Like I said, it's positioning. I understand they're both set at the same time. Hmm. But we've kind of spoiled the ending of Reign of Superman from this tie-in issue. Yeah. Which, yeah, okay. Uh, both covers for Superman 84 get presented in both the Omnibus and your trade. Yeah. Which hasn't that with any of the other issues, has it? Any of the others have, dual, have had no, dual no. covers. They've not showed us them both. Oh, so have the others had variants then? Some of the others had variant covers, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure they did. I'd have to have a look back, but I'm pretty sure some of them did. Um, this essentially is the culmination. Eradicator's back. Uh, Green Lantern is in this issue. Basically just showing us what he's doing in the background. Yeah, Superman with his black costume 
is essentially last man standing against the cyborg. John Henry has his time to shine, basically willing to sacrifice himself yep. to grind the gears to a halt. Yeah. John Henry against the machines. Yeah. Very poetic. Well, I think that's kind of what they were leading up to from the beginning. It's great as well. Hank Henshaw takes over Steel's costume. Mm-hmm. And then the gun later on, when Superman points the gun at him, his little Henshaw head sticks out of the gun and blows itself up. Well, I, I like that he literally knocks the cyborg's chin off. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we went through a weird kind of uncomfortable period where he was just this manical, maniacal, nonsense-talking villain. But now he's full-blown villain again. He's yeah. great again. Yeah. And Superman puts his hand through his chest and then vibrates him to small pieces. I have no memory of whether Hengshaw came back after this. He does. Does he? I just don't know how, because I know he's in Sinestro Corps. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but that's not part of the same continuity anymore, is it? See, that's when DC just starts getting really complicated with what is and isn't in continuity. Because yeah. is Sinestro Corps War... The well, Superman... it is in continuity, because one of the reasons but why... But is it in this continuity? Yes. Right. Because one of the reasons why old Superman and Superboy Prime do decide to change the, the the timeline is because of Death of and Nightfall. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And Superman gets his costume back. Well, the Eradicator fulfilling his, his role in all this as well, taking the, the blast, mm. but then his energy going into Superman, and that's what gives him his powers back. That's what returns him to normal. And he's got his full costume back. And this you end your with... Doomsday. Dun, 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 and you hear that music. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says about any other themes. Yeah. That's your Superman theme. I do love, again, Green Lantern. He's mm. just had his entire city, all of his loved ones, blown up. He's like, ha, you deserve some rest, Superman. You yeah, go and we'll I'll clean, clean up. up the mess. And, I mean, essentially you're into the epilogue bit now. And I love that in Adventures 505... I mean, for the most part, it's just a little charming character piece. And then they've got to explain, you know, how Clark survives. Oh, yeah, this next issue is great fun with him coming back. The dialogue between him and Lois is a lot of fun. There's a a Dallas gag, which I can't imagine anybody getting nowadays when he comes out of the shower. I do love that he leaves everyone else to clean up the mess while he goes for an evening of afternoon delight with Lois. Yep. Well, he's had a busy couple of weeks. (laughs) But then he's back to being Superman again. Yeah, we're being dead. Where's the explanation of how he survived? Have we glossed over that? How Clark survived? No, how Superman survives. Oh, Oh, yeah. Eradicator explains it all to him, doesn't he? He In the last issue. And it just about works. I suppose it it kind of works as well because we've not stopped the actions continuing. Yeah. We're we're discussing it as we're fighting. Yeah, this is very much the James Cameron school of exposition. Yeah. I will explain to you as we're being chased. Yeah. And it does work. And he does make a point of saying it can never happen again. In All of these things that brought about your resurrection were a mixture of happenstance. Yeah. And coincidence. Yeah. And timing. Yeah. And therefore, it will never happen again like that because it can't. Yeah. Which I bought. I give him that. It isn't as simple as he's a clone. Yeah. Or anything like that anymore. I actually, I, I thought that was as good an explanation as you're going to get. Yeah. For him not dying. And they cover it later on as well. So if he's going to die again, we just have to make sure he gets a lot of sun. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. So yeah. they go out of the way to say, this will never happen again. It's Jimmy who somehow suggests 
the possible resurrection for Clark. Oh yeah, because it's, it's great fun as well with going through all the reasons. Mm, yeah, which I presume were all Silver Age stories. Yeah, probably. Because that, that seems to me like something Carl Kiesel would do. And Superman pushes his luck later on, so they, they discuss being carried away mm-hmm. by the sea, doesn't he? And then being in the rubble. And then later, I think it's in the next issue, where it's just like, Clark Kent, yeah, maybe he was abducted by aliens. Yeah. But so they, they he does find a young woman under the rubble. And they say, well, let's do the same with Clark. So they get Supergirl to pretend to be Clark thanks to her shape-shifting powers. Yeah. And there you go. Clark's back. Uh, He explains that there was food and water in the cellar he was trapped in. Yeah. So he was fine. And that he was able to exercise. Yeah. Because there was enough room for him to keep doing his exercise regime. And you're like, okay, this to me, was more implausible yeah. than the reason they gave for Superman surviving death. But it's comics, Jake. It is. I love Lois Lane intentionally posing in between yeah. the two of them. With between Clark. So again, this should be another example of they should never, ever be anybody who connects Clark with Superman. Yeah. Because they literally have a photo of the two of them together. Now, they yeah. already do. They've already done something like this before. Yeah. So there should never be any doubt that he's not Superman. So I quite liked that. And all right, I'll go with it, because like we say, it's comics. And then there's loads of like other little stuff that they're setting up for the future. All right, fine. Eradicator's still knocking about. Yeah. But then, well, slowing I... to a crippling oh, halt. I hated this bit. There is an omnibus. I think the original trades of this ended the... Right, where okay. Supergirl flies off and says, my pleasure, may we live happily ever after. And it ended the... Yeah. And it cut the rest of this issue. Okay. I wish this omnibus had done that. Which is a shame, because you've got to get through this, though, and then you have the very, very end of it is where he does go back to Jonathan and Martha Kent, because he hasn't done yet. So he does yeah, go back to them. Yeah, all right. So the ending is quite sweet, that he goes back to Jonathan and Martha. But Action 692 is metaphysical hogwash. It's just Stern coming back to explain everything, yeah, just in case there was something that you missed. Yeah, and it's 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 not like it's any different to what Eradicator told him. No. He's explained all of this. He's explained how he survived. He's explained that it can never happen again. Yeah. We don't need it again. And it slows the ending down to a crawl, whereas ending with Supergirl leaving is better for this omnibus where you're yeah. kind of sort of aiming this not only at people who were there yeah but also at people who may never have read it before and just want a complete story and will never carry on they yeah want, and yeah. won't carry on they don't care yeah you've got the explanation you don't need it yeah on the negative side that's where mine ends you've got an entire other issue i do so uh superman 83 uh funeral for a friend epilogue it's called um, which is actually really quite a lot of fun. As this was going on during Night's Quest, so Superman, uh, all of the Justice League get together to essentially get rid of Engine City. It's yep. a toxic hazard and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he goes to pick up Superman, uh, Batman, and he's like, come on, we're all going to... Uh, he's Azrael, mm. and Superman's kind of clicking that this isn't Batman. Because he actually uses X-ray vision. Well, so he, he makes up... Well, yeah, he does maybe first <laughs> ah, scan it. Uh, so Batman does make an excuse and then buggers off because he's like, I'm, I'm not, you know. Yeah, I'm not down with you guys. 
But yeah, uh, so we get Jimmy and Lois is kind of hanging out. Uh, but meanwhile, yeah, all the, the heroes get together. Oh yeah, we've got all the Morgan and Vincent Edge stuff going on here. So we've got those soap opera subplots going. Uh, but yeah, all the Justice League get together just to get rid of Coast City. They want to, uh, Edge and City, they want to destroy it, get in the sea. Aquaman shows him and goes, you want to dump this toxic waste in my ocean, dear? Good lad. So this isn't an Aquaman who drinks a bottle of whiskey and then chucks it in the ocean? No, it is. It is not. No, it's almost as if it's written by, you know, comic fans wow. for comic fans. Yeah. Uh, but there are still aliens on board. So they fight it all. Uh, the Green Lanterns have an idea. They will detoxic the rubble so that it does get destroyed and fall into the ocean. And Aquaman's like, well, it's all right. There's no there's no toxicity to it. It'll just become like a coral reef now. Mm -hmm. And then Superman does build a monument. Just saying, like, we know we couldn't have stopped this, but we can make sure there are no more co-cities. Green Lantern here was sowing the seeds. Green Lantern is not happy that all that's left of co-city is just a monument. And Green Arrow is trying to cheer him up just a little bit. But we are sowing the seeds here for where Green Lantern is going to go. And the Emerald Dawn? Uh, yeah, that... with Parallax. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does end with Jimmy Olsen getting out of the shower and Clark going, So, offer to move in still all right? And there's a cute little thing of, yeah, let's turn up some Van Halen. It's time I learned some new tricks, which is cute. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And that's that's where mine ends. So it ends with more of a kind of happy ending and a wink than with the previous issue. That's my only... I wish that last panel had Clark winking at us. Yeah. Because he is breaking the fourth wall, though, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would have been cool if it had ended with a wink. But it does tie up more... It's, it's, I find it interesting it's not in your omnibus because this no. is all of the kind of death of mm. ends tied up. Now. I presume it is in the third omnibus. I, yeah, I'd imagine that the third omnibus is just everything that I've got in trades, including uh, the sequel as well. I presume the Bloodline stuff's in the third omnibus as well. I'd imagine so as well. But it's yeah. one of those, I never got around to buying it because I had it. Yeah. And by the same token, it was a lot of money. And I think yeah. it's out of print now, anyway. It's probably not worth it as well. Like, if you've already got that second one, you're getting, what, an additional five issues? Yeah, it's probably not worth it for the money. So, the death and return of Superman has been milked dry Oh yeah, for the past 30 years. The comics themselves, as we've mentioned throughout this, have been repackaged, reissued, and reprinted in every format imaginable. Cheap digital editions to high-end omnibuses. Again, as I've said, of which there have been three different versions now. Yeah, Mine is the second version. It was adapted into a novel by Roger Stern and a radio drama for the BBC by Dirk Maggs. Of the adaptations, these two are really the only ones worth bothering with. Yeah. Honest. The novel's fun. Yeah. To see how Roger Stern manages to make it a complete entity unto itself. So it's the third time he has to explain it. Yeah. So the third time he has to write it. And the radio drama is really good. Yeah. Because it was, I think it was the second or third radio drama. Yeah, there was Superman on Trial. Yeah. And then there was The Adventures of Superman. And then they did Doomsday and Beyond. They did a Nightfall one as well. And they, they did Batman Nightfall one? Yeah. as well, yeah. And they did Batman the Lazarus Project. Yeah. Dirt Mags did quite a lot of these. He did a Judge Dredd one. Okay. And he did a Independence Day here. What was going on in England okay. fighting the aliens. The Spider-Man ones as well. There's a Spider-Man yeah. one, yeah. It's more the Fantastic Four, sadly. Okay. Spends a lot of time with the Fantastic Four. But most of them are really, really good yeah. and worth bothering with. There's been a couple of animated adaptations. One attempts to tell the entire story in one 90-minute movie. Okay. It's, it's all right. It's yeah. not bad. But as you would expect, it's an awful lot of it is compressed. 
And then there's another attempt across two animated movies. The first one is the actual death. And the second one is the resurrection and return. Okay, that seems like it works. Better. No, it doesn't. Oh, really? No. Um, <laughs> I know those movies have their fans, and I apologise to you, but for me, it felt very much like that was somebody who read the omnibus, yeah. then put it away, right. and wrote the films based on what they remembered, but also a shoe on in it into an animated continuity, of which oh, there was right, yeah. at that time. So all the designs... All the design aesthetics are of the New 52. The New 52 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So they have to explain that Wonder Woman and Superman once had a relationship, but now he's with Lois. And I'm I'm not down with Superman and Wonder Woman mad. having a relationship anyway. Yeah. And I don't like any of the designs. I don't like the New 52 costume. It looks particularly bad to me in that film because the S is very small. Right, okay. So he's just like a big map of blue. Right. And his head looks tiny, so okay. the costume doesn't look any good and the relationships are all more in that era of comics than the 90s yeah and i I couldn't get on board with it because of that and i watched them again for this right okay so i did my due diligence (laughs) um the voice acting's good the voice acting it's jerry o'connell as superman okay from stand by me and rebecca remain from star trek strange new worlds as lois right and they're both fine i've got no problem with the voices but I'm not a fan of those designs. I mean, if you're more of a New 52 era reader, it may work better for you. Yeah, I, I will always be a New 52 apologist. Yeah, I just so... think Because I, I think I've seen them, but I know that they did try to bring them into New 52 continuity, but it aren't they almost as if, let's tell these stories as if they're in this continuity, yeah. yeah. And that's what this is. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're that, like Michael is, that this version may work better for you than it did for me. I felt... It was lacking in the depth and complexity and the mythology of the 90s ones because they were building an awful lot of what had gone before. Yeah. But that's just me. I mean, it's a bit like New 52 generally. But other opinions are available. In live action, it appeared in form, but not in substance, in Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, <laughs> where it was given all the care, development and consideration you would expect from a three-hour movie of this story. Or it had none of that. Any movie that wants to adapt this needs to wait until your movie six or seven down the line. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you need to have it mapped out because there's so much you need to set up. Or if you're going to do it. Before you can get there. Then do it. Don't try and shoehorn it in the last 20 minutes of your film. Yes. Make that what the film is about. Yeah. Rather than, oh, well, I suppose we could do Doomsday. Yeah, and hey, but, but re- then we've got Wonder Woman here. Remember that 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 spear that would allow you to stab him with the kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw it because that's a spear. Yeah, I'll give it to Wonder Woman and see if yeah. she stab that dude. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, you could just forget all of that, ignore all of that, read the comics because this series is nineties comics at the best and worst. Its strengths <laughs> are its weaknesses. It's enmeshed in a continuity that no longer matters. It requires a relative knowledge of characters that appeared in comics published three or four years before these. Yeah. And it tells its stories in the style of the time. It is expecting you're reading this weekly, not in one big fat volume. Yeah. Like we've just read it. But, you know, it works. Yeah. It works because the creators curd. It works because the readers curd. And it worked because that same mythology that gave us all this backstory was well-developed and curated. It worked because it wasn't what it purported to be, a crass commercial stunt. 
Yeah. And you can't say about the other comics crossovers of the era. No other, none of the others, good or bad, can claim that. The Clone Saga can't claim that. Yeah. Nightfall can't claim that. No Man's Land can't claim that. It worked because it was good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as we mentioned, I think Nightfall is the better of them. But See, I prefer this. This is more of a summer blockbuster. Yeah. That wanted to be or should have been a long-term thing. If it was a long-term thing, it was spread out over two years or so, mm. then it would have been better. But that's what Nightfall was, and that's yeah. why I think Nightfall worked, because it allowed itself to kind of gestate a little bit more. All right. Whereas this, the middle bit that should have been longer is swept up so that we can get Superman back. Mm. It wants the return of more than it wants the reign of. Whereas I prefer yeah. Nightfall because it wants the night quest. We spend quest. a long time with John Paul. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Alright. Ultimately, though, this was no fantasy. No curless product. <laughs> just wild imagination. And that is an undeniable fact. See what I did, though? Very <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's the reign of the Superman. That's all three of the Death of Superman trilogy done. We've only been saying we do that since we started the show. Yeah. In 20-whatever. Well, that's alright. We can tease that maybe in another seven years we'll do the sequel <laughs> and well you've got another volume what's I in that other volume uh predator prey whatever it is do i have that I i've got superman doomed i've got the three issue prestige series yeah it's that one and then there's another there's a four issue miniseries that dan jurgens did with bill sinkevich where he goes to uh, apocalypse yeah yeah so there's is that in there as well yeah 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 all right well at some point in the future we may cover that but next time we're going to do Mighty Marvel. Make mine Marvel. Yeah. Three firsts from the golden age of Marvel. Uh, Iron Man 1. Well, no, it's not Iron Man it's 1. Not. It? It's Tales of Suspense 39. 39. Yeah. Incredible Hulk 1 and the Avengers 1. And these are always fun to give Michael really, really old comics and say, all right, what do you think of these? <laughs> I'd like, I'd, I think I've read... I know I've read Iron Man. Yeah. Cause to, to I think you've read not. the Hulk. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read The Avengers. I don't think so. Anyway, that's next time. You can email heykidscomics at virginmedia.com to let us know what it is and spread it. Spread the word. Tell people. Promote us on social media because we're a bit crap at that. Yeah. You know, people that want to listen to Comic Book Podcast, tell them. Tell them about us. We'd love it if you did that. If you are new, welcome. If you are an old hand at this, welcome back. We're a broad church. <laughs> we'll try not to annoy you. I can't it's promise anything. <laughs> That's it for this time. Take care and we'll see you all in a month. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands To Do production and hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of the hosts and no one else. The free-to-use music that closes and opens the show was the sci-fi cyberbunk trailer by somebody called Stringer Bell on the pixabay.com free-to-use website. Thank you very much to him. If you would like to support the show, you can buy Michael and I, or both of us, or one of us, a coffee. Go to co-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash Leyland. In one month, an all-new episode of Hey Kids Comics, coming in your ears. It's a date. <laughs>